Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated, and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcasts at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at eric, E-R-I-K, dot Anderson at nllutheran.com. Our second reading comes from the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake, so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaking, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for the lights, and rushing in, he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. Well, when I was 22, I had my first opportunity to step into ministry. And one of the things that I was excited about was having my first office. And so I, I went to the door, you know, it's that first day type of stuff. They open the door for you. They unlock it. They let you in. They give you the tour and then they show you where you're going to do the majority of your work. And so I got taken down the stairs into the old dark church basement with cinder block walls. And there was a broken down desk shoved in a corner. That was my office. And uh, I was still excited despite the kind of ugliness of it all, but uh, I was just excited to do ministry. And so I had my broken down desk, I put some books there, I brought my computer in, and I was ready to do ministry. Well, after a while, I got moved up the ranks and I finally got an office, right? Four walls and a door, and that was very exciting. And one of the things that I was excited about was that I could put all of my stuff in there, do my ministry, but I also also could decorate it, right? Because you have the things that are functional, But then you have the things that are reflective of of who you are. You put up pictures of your family and different things like that. Well, four churches in now, I have an office once again. And if you've been in my office and by walking in, you'll get to know a little bit about me, right? You'll get to know what I value by just looking around of what I have on the walls and what I have on the shelves. You'll see that obviously I have Bibles and commentaries and things to do ministry well. You see pictures of my family. And you'll also see all of my pictures that are Minnesota Twins themed, which for most of you won't come as a shock if you've been around New Life for a while. I talk about the Minnesota Twins, even when they're doing horribly, even though they're really good this year. So we're excited about, or I'm excited about that. But you'll walk in and you'll see all of my pictures and you'll know right away 
what I'm about and what I enjoy, right? And who I'm cheering for. It's, it's very obvious. I talk about these things all the time. I'm very public about it. I don't hide it. And so if you know me, you know that about me. Well, this week we're going to continue our sermon series called Everyday Evangelism. And we're six weeks in. And we've been having this amazing conversation that flows from the book of Acts. In the beginning of Acts, it has this, this amazing moment where Christ comes back. The disciples are really excited because they expect him to lead the charge again, but then he leaves. And he leaves them with a mission. He says, go share my good news to the whole world, but he doesn't tell them how. But despite that, we see in the book of Acts, time and time and time again, they take these simple little strategies, put them into play, and they transform the world. And so what we've been doing is we have been being intentional about looking at the ways that the early church and the disciples transform people's hearts and lives through simple steps, simple, tangible ways of sharing their faith, things that we can still do today, things that are still effective in the modern day. And so I've been really excited about this sermon series to start it, to be in the midst of it. I'm still excited about it. And I've been so excited to see the great attendance we've had this summer as people are coming back and hopefully hearing it and putting it into practice. In fact, I'm so excited about this sermon series that if you've missed, you've had to travel, maybe you're going to a graduation or a vacation or something like that, I do encourage you to go to our website or subscribe to our podcast because you can hear all the sermons because I want you guys to have every step and every tool in your pocket to share your faith well because there's nothing, nothing, nothing more important than that. Well, this week we're going to continue on and we're going to talk about something that I believe will resonate with many of you because I've actually seen many of you actually living this out already. And I'm going to give you a sneak preview of where we're going to go. But we're going to talk about this idea of making our faith public today. Kind of living our faith, putting our faith on our sleeve. And the reason I said it would would resonate with many of you is because I've seen you do this. I've been to your house and on your walls, you have maybe a a cross or a Bible verse. So if someone walks into your house, they're going to know who you're about, right? What you're about. Just like my office, you know what I'm about. I've seen some of you guys, maybe when I've traveled with you or you've pulled up in the parking lot, you're listening to Christian music, gives people a good idea of of who you are and and what you're about. Or maybe you own a business and you have Christian music playing, gives the people who are in your your work environment or coming to buy your product a pretty good idea of what you're about. For many of you, we all have these these crazy matching t-shirts that say live generously on them and it has a big heart and a cross, right? Whether it's teal or gray or navy. And it gives people a pretty good idea of what we're about when we walk around in public, right? It's these public declarations of our face that people know who we are, and whose we are. Well, today we're going to see a great example as we dig into the book of Acts once again, a moment where Paul and Silas live their faith on their sleeve. In fact, it has an amazing, amazing result, and this is what we see. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And so we run into Paul and Silas, and we see that they're at this prison, Now, you might think they're doing prison ministry, but they're not doing prison ministry. They're actually in prison. And the reason they get thrown into prison is because they're traveling through this town. And as they're traveling through this town, they have this interaction with this little slave girl. Now, there's an important backstory to this. The little slave girl was possessed by a demon. And this demon was giving her the the opportunity, the potential to predict the future, or at least 
predict a form of the future that people bought into. And so because she had this ability, people were paying money to her owners and they were getting rich off it. Well, as Paul and Silas came into that town, this girl, this slave girl started following them around. And she started yelling over and over and over again about them being from God. And they had the message of salvation. And finally, Paul had enough. I don't know if it was distracting or just irritating, but he turns around and he casts the demon out. And when he casts the demon out, all the potential for their financial gain of these owners of the slave girl, it was gone. And they got very, very, very upset. So they get the leadership involved, they get the police involved, and Paul and Silas end up getting beaten and then thrown into prison. So they're sitting there, it's about midnight, and they're probably wide awake because they're still dealing with all the aches and pains of getting beaten, but they decide to proclaim the gospel. Paul was all about sharing the good news, and so he's taking this as an opportunity. After all, he does have a captive audience. You guys didn't get that. He has a captive audience. They're prisoners, right? Okay, so he has a captive audience. So he's going to take this opportunity to share the good news. So what does he do? He prays out loud and he sings out loud. So what are they praying about? They're praying about Jesus and his work. They're singing about Jesus and his work. And what are the prisoners doing? They're listening, right? They have nothing better to do. Now, this is quite a, kind of an interesting moment because really Paul and Silas are taking a risk. Right? If you're in prison, you're under the rule of the jailer. And if the jailer doesn't like what you're saying or the ruckus that you're making, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get beat up again. Right? They're already in pain, but they're willing to do whatever it takes to share the good news, even if it means getting beaten up again. Well, in the midst of this, this is what transpires. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. So if you love like prison break movies or prison break TV shows, this is your Bible passage. But God sends this earthquake and all the doors of the prison pop wide open. And we know it's supernatural because not only does it pop the doors wide open, but all the chains and all the shackles that are holding the prisoners inside, even behind the door, fall off too. So something really amazing is happening here. And then the jailer sees it, and this is his response. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed the prisoners had escaped. So the jailer wakes up, he he looks at the situation, right? The rumbling of the earthquake probably stirs him, and he sees all the doors wide open. And he makes an immediate assessment. If the doors are wide open, all the prisoners are gone. Because think about it. Who would be in prison? People that don't obey the law, right? So when the doors are wide open, what are they going to do? They're going to run away. Especially since some of these guys probably had maybe life sentences, maybe death sentences. If this was their opportunity to escape, this was going to be the moment. So he assumed everyone is gone. Now, there was a major problem. He was a Roman guard. And the penalty for failure to keep your prisoners in prison was death. In fact, it must have been pretty horrific, a pretty horrific death, because he's willing to kill himself, then deal with whatever version of death they were going to give him. So he's going to take his life to ease the suffering that was going to come later. Well, in the midst of this, Paul sees what he's doing and yells out, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. 
So Paul, concerned about this guy's life in the midst of this false imprisonment, says, don't, don't, don't do it. And we see a lot about Paul in this section of scripture. We see, first of all, that he has amazing influence. Paul somehow was able to keep all these criminals there. When the doors flew open and all the shackles flew off, they had every reason, every ability to escape. But somehow Paul's influence over them, just in this short moment, kept them there. His empathy, his compassion for the jailer, he probably said, please stay, please stay. If you run away, this guy's going to die. Well, also Paul sees something else. Paul saw every moment of his life as an opportunity to share the good news. Now, if it was me and I was falsely imprisoned and beaten up over doing something that was right, if the doors flew up and the shackles flew off, I was, I'm gone. I'm out the door. I would view it as God working something for me and I would get out of Dodge. But that's not what Paul did. See, like I said, Paul viewed every opportunity, every moment in his life as, an, as a time to share his faith. And he knew that something possibly could come out amazing in this moment. And it does. This is what happens. The jailer called for the lights. And rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. So the jailer can hardly believe it, right? What prisoners would stay in prison when there's nothing holding them back? And the answer is none. But because of Paul's influence, he throws on the light. He has to see it. And there they are. Everyone's just sitting in their wide open cells. And so he runs into Paul and Silas. And he falls down at their feet. And he's trembling. And he's trembling because he knows this moment is something supernatural. He knows that earthquakes don't unlock shackles. He knows that earthquakes don't necessarily open up all the doors. He knows that prisoners don't stay in the prison when the doors are wide open, right? He knows all this stuff. He knows something is happening here. Plus, just like the prisoners, he was probably listening. He's probably listening to Paul and Silas publicly declaring their faith through their prayers and their songs in this moment in time. So he falls down trembling because he knows something is happening here. And this is what he says. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So he composes himself. He brings them outside and he says, this Jesus that you're talking about, this salvation that you're talking about, I want this. I need this. This is beyond a doubt. I mean, none of this is explainable besides that what you're talking about is true. So what, what, what do I have to do? And they respond. They answered, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So they give him the simple explanation. It's through the work of Christ on the cross. He died for your sins. He rose again to prove that he had power over death. And if you believe in him, if you have trust in him, then you will be saved. You will have salvation. You will have a relationship with God that starts in this life and goes into the next. In fact, this promise is for everybody. Now, what he's not saying is if this guy is saved, automatically his family will be saved. What he's saying is, if you believe, you will be saved. And if they believe, they can be saved as well. And this is true of anyone, young and old, rich and poor, black and white, male, female. It doesn't matter. This is good news for everyone. Well, this is what happens next. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So apparently this guy brings his family into the conversation. 
And he probably draws them over and says, you guys aren't going to believe this. There was an earthquake. The prisoners, all the doors were open. All the shackles went off. No one ran away. That was unbelievable. It was something supernatural. These guys were singing and praying. And they told me the good news about Jesus. I want you to listen to what they have to say. Please listen to what these guys have to say. St. Paul and Silas. They tell the story of Christ once again. Christ came. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross for your sins, all your shortcomings, because without that, you could not be in relationship with a perfect God. And so he tells the story of Jesus. He shows how he, was, he had risen from the dead. They talked about all these things. And it had another amazing outcome. This is what happens. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. So this jailer who was either probably the one or part of the group who beat up Paul and Silas before tossing him into jail, ends up cleaning up the wounds that he had probably inflicted. And then his whole family believes, and as a result, there's water there, right? They're washing people. They're cleaning up people. The whole family gets baptized. The whole family is connected with Christ. This is an unbelievable story. Well, then the writer closes with this. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. So now he takes these prisoners who have now he's slowly moved them out of the prison. Then he puts them inside his house after this, this amazing moment together and he feeds them. And this is why this is, is so significant and so amazing. Remember just a moment ago, this guy had his sword to his chest Just a moment ago, this guy was concerned about his boss. He was concerned about Rome. He was concerned about the consequences that this life were bringing into his world, right? Into his life. But now, he's taking the prisoners out of prison, taking them to his house, which I'm sure had many ramifications to it, and he's feeding them. You see, this is the beauty of faith. When you have faith in Christ, it has this amazing ability to give you perspective on what life truly is. It has this amazing ability to take the volume of life and just turn it down. See, this guy wasn't concerned about his boss anymore. And he wasn't even concerned about the powerful country of Rome anymore. When he saw Christ on his throne, when he saw Christ on his cross, when he understood what the next life had to offer, it just changed everything about his perspective on this life. In fact, this is one of the major beauties besides our relationship with God that our faith gives us. This means that we too have a different perspective on life. When we put Jesus where he truly is, right on his throne, when we understand who Jesus is, that means that when we get those phone calls, about that sickness or that disease or that death or that family member who's going to pass away or that tragedy, we understand life differently. It turns the volume way down when we understand who Christ truly is and what's truly important and what this relationship with him truly offers. And this is why I want everyone, everyone, everyone in our church to be able to know how to share their faith. This is why I want every one of you to know every step along the way and internalize it and put it into practice because this is what you can offer to people. This is what you can offer to your friends and your family and those who you're near. 
But this is how we're going to learn to do it this week. This is our, our step number six today. We're called to live our faith on our sleeve. We're to be public about what we actually believe. Because here's the truth. A private faith will save you. A private faith will save you. Right? We are saved by grace alone, through Christ alone. I mean, this is, this is what we know, right? We know that our belief, our trust in Christ, it, it will save us. We will be saved. However, a public faith, it will save them. See, God has put you in a unique place, in a unique space to influence those that only you can influence. Maybe it's your son or your daughter or your grandkids, or maybe even your parents or your spouse. Maybe it's your neighbor, your coworkers that uniquely are drawn to you because of personality or a common experience or whatever that is. We all have a unique sphere of influence. And every one of those people, at some point in time, are going to have a tragedy, a heartache. Something in this life is going to turn that volume really, really high. And when that happens, and when life isn't quite working out like they want, are they going to know what you're about? Are they going to know who's the boss of your life? Are they going to know that you're a believer? You see, in those moments when you live with your faith on your sleeve and people run into that wall and run into that tragedy, they're going to go to their friend, their coworker, their neighbor who has something to offer. And the only way that we can do that is simply by living with our faith on our sleeve, being public about our faith, so that when people run into that tragedy, they know who to talk to. And when we do that, we will share our faith with the world. We will transform the unique community that God has placed us in. And we'll live every day evangelism. Amen.